an official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, Trisha. Thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, I wanted to kind of just jump in and start off with, I would just love to hear about like your journey, like into the sex space and like how Safe Slut was born. Yeah, um, so it's actually kind of funny. Um, a few weeks, so I, I started Safe Slut essentially just by getting genital herpes. Okay. Um, yeah, and so a few weeks before I got herpes, I was like journaling, you know, manifesting whatnot. And I was like, I really want to work in like sexual health, the sexuality field. Um, but I was like, I don't really know what that like would look like. I've just always been interested in like sex and and, and wellness kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, two weeks later, boom, I get herpes. So be careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> That's actually kind of insane. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, I it took me a few months to start Safe Slut. But the day that I got diagnosed, I kind of, I thought of the name Safe Slut. I knew I was going to go public about it, even though I was also just like miserable. (laughs) Yeah. But it just, it just made sense. I just knew it was going to happen. So I was working like through stigma. um, And yeah, a few months later, so it was February, 2020, I started. So right, right before the pandemic, um, I started the Instagram account and I started it initially anonymously. Um, because I was still like nervous to show my face on there. Yeah. Um, but then after like a few weeks, I was like, you know what, let me post a photo of myself on here. Like the people who are following me also have herpes. So like, it's fine. And then a few weeks after that, I posted like this censored nude on my personal Instagram. and was just like, Hey, everyone, I have genital herpes, follow me at safe slut kind of thing. Um, and so it started out as kind of a page to help myself mostly, honestly, um, through the herpes diagnosis, as well as help others like find community. But as I was like working on it, I was able to, I, I had this platform to talk about all these things that I've always wanted to say, just in terms of like slut shaming, other sexual stuff, dating, um, just everything. So it's kind of turned into this whole like sex positive space. And I also am an herbalist and aesthetician. So I've always made my own, um, products um like tinctures and like skincare stuff so when I got herpes I made my own products to help with that so now I also sell like herpes products on my website as well as like um PMS tinctures sleep tinctures um like aphrodisiac stuff um so kind of do a lot of different things on safe slot essentially it almost feels like you manifesting this life and you know this idea that you want to work in the sex space and work in like sexual wellness. And then two weeks later to get that diagnosis, it feels like it almost like equipped you to handle it better because you were like, oh, like this, these have, there's no way these are like not connected. Like this has to be something that I'm like, I'm, you know, there's no turning back. There's no like shutting myself in. There's no ignoring this. Like this is, this is it. Like this is the catalyst I need to start this. Right. It just, it literally just like forced me to do it. Um, yeah. So, it, I mean, obviously at the time I didn't really look at it like, oh, this is like perfect. Like, this right. really worked out. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it took a lot. Like once I was like really doing safe, then I was like, ah, oh, okay, that makes sense. This is great. 
Um, so I'm definitely grateful for my diagnosis in terms of like what work I've been able to do, the people that I've met. Um, and also I've done so much like self work because getting herpes forces you to become a better person. Um, so I'm very grateful for the experience, which is, I know, probably shocking to a lot of people to hear. No, I think that that's totally understandable. Do you feel like when mm-hmm. you first started working in the, se- in the sex space, started posting, like, you know, created safe slut that was there, were there people in your real day-to-day life that were like felt weird about it or that like, you know, kind of like maybe like shamed you or that you had to kind of like rethink relationships with? Like, was it a total 180 for you? You know, the diagnosis is one thing, but for you to be like, I'm, I'm jumping into this, like, I'm going to be completely sex positive, like, you know, posting on your personal mm-hmm. account, all of that. Was it like a shock for anyone? Um, I'm not sure because no one said anything to my face, but I'm sure people have said it <laughs> to themselves or just not to me. But um, I mean, I've definitely lost followers. Like whenever I post like um, sex related stuff or even just like thirst traps, I always lose followers on my personal really? account. <laughs> yeah. So it's either people just like aren't ready for it yet, you know? Um, and I don't think it's like they're like, oh, I hate this person. I think it's just like probably too much for them because I know it's it's obviously like progressive um so maybe too much too soon for them but but honestly I feel like majority of the time I've been I've just received like really positive feedback um and from people that I wouldn't have expected as well like either like messages from like acquaintances that were like oh my god I have herpes too I've never told anyone like thank you for this work that you're doing um amazing yeah so it's definitely worth worth all of it like any negative responses which is usually just from trolls on the internet it's never from anyone that I know for the most part. So yeah, so definitely a positive experience. Well, I feel like herpes already carries this like ridiculous, you know, stigma. And I've talked about this on the podcast a decent amount about how like the most dangerous thing about herpes is the social stigma. But then on top of that, I think just like really like generally confident women make people uncomfortable, especially people on the internet and like Mm -hmm. really sexually empowered women make people really uncomfortable on the internet. So unfortunately, you know, you losing followers checks because like, that's just how it goes. You know what I mean? It's like the more you like lean into yourself and become more confident and like are, I guess, like unapologetic and like who you are and what you like and what you choose to share on the internet, people are going to like always get be uncomfortable with that, unfortunately. Right. And it just shows that the, the work that I'm doing is so necessary if people are still feeling uncomfortable. So Absolutely. it adds more fuel to the fire. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I really want to talk about is your work as a Reiki master. I'm saying that right, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, master, I've lived yeah. in LA for 10 years. One of my best friends like is a Reiki master and full-time like tarot and astrologer. And for some reason, it's one of those words. You have those words that just your brain is like, I'm not going to ever feel comfortable yeah, this. yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but I would love to talk about your work as a Reiki master and, and also being like a witch because I feel like there are so many people who don't have access like to that kind of work, right? They don't live in like a big city. Mm-hmm. Like you're in New York. I'm in Los Angeles. It's like people have never even heard of Reiki and especially you might not understand how it can maybe coincide with sexuality. And obviously there's a lot of stigma around like the word witch and so many misconceptions mm-hmm. with that. So I would just like love to hear more about your work in that space. Yeah, for sure. And again, the the Reiki actually was like another thing that kind of went during my herpes diagnosis. So everything just kind of like all aligned. Um, but so for those that don't know, Reiki is essentially, um, a form of energy healing. Um, I feel like whenever I explain it to people, it sounds like really fake, especially when I explain (laughs) distance Reiki, like it sounds like so wild, but I mean, I do it and it works. It's legit. Um, but essentially, um, whether the person's present or I'm doing it in a distance session, I would use like, use these Reiki symbols to connect to them. 
put my hands on them in certain areas, feel kind of what needs to be healed. It works um, kind of like healing the chakras. It works um, emotionally or physically for things. Um, It works on what is needed. So someone might be like, you know, I'm coming in because I, my leg hurts and then I'll do Reiki on them. And then it's like, maybe their leg still hurts, but it actually healed something emotional or whatever. It's like what their highest self kind of needed at the time. Okay. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's super simple. It's kind of, I call it like a massage for the chakras, essentially. Um, It's really relaxing. Um, Yeah, it's amazing. And so the first time, the first session I did was like two or three weeks after I was diagnosed. And I actually booked the um, certification like, like a month or so prior. So it was like, before I so yeah, so another thing that like worked out really well. And um, it was super healing, like it really helped me help me through everything. But the one that was more like, whoa, um, was a few months later, I got certified in Reiki too. And that's when I just started Safe Slut. And so we were going around the room. It was just, it's always like a small group of women usually. So there was like five or six of us um, with my Reiki teacher. We were going around the room, just kind of like introducing ourselves. And I was just telling them that I started this um, like woman's health, like destigmatizing things. I was like very, very vague. I was like, I don't really want people (laughs) to know. Yeah. And, um, and then we worked on each other, got um, attuned to level two. And then, um, this woman came up to me um, after everyone left and was like, she was like, I didn't want to say this like um, in front of everyone, but she was like, but when I worked on you, I just got all of this just like sexual goddess, like sexual healing, um, like energy. She was like, I just like saw all this like stuff. And I was like, funny you say that. Cause that's exactly the work that I'm doing. And that's like exactly oh the path goodness. that I'm like, yeah. Just like one of those, like, wait, what? Um, and then I yeah. actually did, um a natal chart reading with my reiki teacher um i think around that time and she was like everything she was saying was like because i didn't i also didn't tell her um exactly what i was doing and then when she said all these like sexual related stuff like working against taboos all the stuff i was like well this is again exactly the work that i'm doing so it's just like funny to see how everything aligns and it also kind of like confirmed my like witchy spiritual practice that it's like yeah everything is just like, right. It's all right there. You know, do you find with a lot of the healing work that you do that maybe especially for women, it's, um, there is a lot of like sexual, you know, trauma or things that they're holding in or things that they need to like work through with their own sexuality and stuff. Like, is that something that comes up a lot? Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately. Yeah. I think most women have some sort of like sexual trauma or, or relational trauma. Um, so when I do, Reiki on clients now. Um, obviously, I'm like I cater towards um, people with herpes, but um, a lot of the time it's people with just usually just like various sexual trauma. Um, so, which is unfortunate, but I'm happy that I'm like in this space to help. You know, absolutely. Well, it's unfortunate, and it's also one of those things that I think you know, we want to be so strong and we want to like act like these things don't affect us, but they do. And they, they, they affect us even in ways we might not realize. Like, I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't realize that things like that, like, for example, getting like a herpes diagnosis, right. Or dealing with like any sexual trauma is like, can affect you physically, just like even the stress and like the stigma Mm -hmm. and like navigating, like, okay, like, how is this, you know, how does my life look now in terms of like dating and like having those conversations and like whatever it is, everything that goes through your mind, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it obviously like transcends diagnoses and it goes into like eventually, 
you know, if you want to like be more into someone, you have to kind of like talk about your shit and talk about your past and like talk about right. things that have like affected you. And I think that a lot of times we want to act like everything's okay and act like just because we're not like breaking down and sobbing every day that we're fine. When in reality, those things can really affect us and can affect our bodies. The amount of people I know that have had like back issues or kidney issues or all of these, you know what I mean? Like problems. Mm -hmm. And then they find out it's related to like stress or traumas or issues that are, you know, technically more emotional. It's It's shocking to me how much the physical and the emotional coincide. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Right. Yeah. And in Reiki, we have like, I have this like booklet of like a chart of like what organ relates to like what emotional thing or, or and stuff like that um and it's also again like that like gut to brain connection where like everything is related to our gut health yeah and how it's like you know what like I just feel like it's like stupid like like when you're playing like hide and seek as a kid and like you get nervous and then you have to like pee because you're scared or just like yeah <laughs> in general it's like that same feeling of that that gut to brain where it's like you have this like stomach thing I, I don't know um but yeah, it's it's all related, and especially the stress part too. Um, that that is everything, um, and and for people with herpes, especially herpes, um, stress is a huge trigger for people with herpes. Yeah. So and then while you're navigating um, the diagnosis, um, you're obviously more stressed, and you're like freaking out, and that can like bring on more uh, herpes outbreaks because you're just like, what is going on? It's all this emotional stuff, and it's unfortunate because it shouldn't be that. It should just be very normal when you get diagnosed. <laughs> Absolutely. I've I've seen that firsthand with friends of mine or people I'm dating who have HSV1 and it's like they'll get an outbreak and you know maybe that outbreak would go away in like 3 to 4 days but like it'll last like a week and a half because now they're so stressed about it and they're like I don't mm-hmm. want to go out, I don't want to do anything and like trying to do whatever they can to like make sure it goes away as fast as possible at the very least hide it and then like that stress you know, it's just like, it's such a vicious cycle with things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people when I'll get DMs from people who are newly diagnosed, I'll be like, oh, I just had my first outbreak. Like I never want to have one again. Like, what do I do to prevent it? And like, I'm like, I'll give you tips on how to like manage it and prevent it. But like, you probably will get another outbreak and right. that's okay. Like I always try to tell people like, it's, it's not the end of the world. Like, okay. Like for a couple of days, you just have to kind of treat this thing. But then I always look at it as like, okay, you're getting an outbreak for a reason, whether that's stress or your immune system's low. So either way, it's an indicator from your body to take a step back and relax, do some self-care, maybe like take the day out if you can. Um, So it's a a great reminder to like pause for a moment. You might be doing too much, going out too much, you know? Absolutely. And even diet too, right? Like too much sugar or too much salt or maybe yeah, like indulging yeah. in like processed foods and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I know that, that can be a big trigger for it as well. So yeah. like you yeah, said, definitely. kind of it can, it can almost work in a way of like, okay, like maybe it's time for like a cleanse. Maybe it's time to like go to the farmer's market, throw away the chips, like have a self-care yeah. day, make some tea, like relax and just like kind of check in with myself. Exactly. Exactly. So at the end of the day, it's going to benefit you because it's giving you a reason to like really focus on your health. Completely. So, so yeah. if you if you don't mind me asking, are you single right now? Are you dating? 
Um, I'm single. Am I dating? Like, not really. I deleted <laughs> <Okay>. my <laughs> I deleted my dating apps, like all of them, a couple weeks ago, just because I'm the thing. The funny thing is about like dating with herpes is I herpes is not even a factor like of the reason that dating is so hard for me like it's just like hard in general for everyone yeah um so I've just yeah yeah not doing it right now I don't have the energy was there like a was there like a catalyst or something specific that like a couple weeks ago you were like fuck this and I'm off the dating apps or were you, was it more um, just like a slow burn of like bad dates yeah because I, I know a, a lot of people who are deleting dating apps like it's like a thing right and yeah. people are like I'm not I'm absolutely not doing dating apps I'm over it yeah I went on a date I think it was probably like three or four weeks ago at this point. And it was just boring. Like I met this person off of field and I'm, I'm monogamous, but I'm like open to like some level of non-monogamy in an ethical way, obviously. Uh-huh. But this person just like, just moved to the city and like, seemed like they just kind of wanted to go balls to the wall and like <laughs> that kind of thing. And like, I'm just, and I, he was also two years younger than me. Like I'm 28. This man was 26 and I usually date men in their thirties um, for obvious reasons. So it was just like, he just seemed too young. And it was also just like, there's just no chemistry. And I was like, all right, I tried. Um, I tried. <laughs> I tried it. Apps. Fuck yeah. This. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, if it, if, it, if it happens organically, like, obviously, I'm I'm very open to it. Like, I'm very emotionally available. But right. again, just being like, super busy. I'm really focused on safe. So I also have a full time job as well. And living in New York City is just chaos. I think I'm always there's always like something to do. I'm always hanging out with with a friend I don't know so it's definitely taking it's uh, it's on the back burner for me at this point but yeah not because of herpes just because dating is kind of shit in New York (laughs) and I'm tired this is like I don't mean to be that bitch but this you're like absolutely gonna like meet your next partner like in the next month there's just this conversation always happens before you meet someone like this like yeah yeah. back burner right now like I actually don't really give a shit and like I want to focus on work and then like that Mm -hmm. never ever fails that like somebody's gonna swoop in in the next month I know right (laughs) no it's so true it's yeah yeah well hopefully who knows you know and it's also a double-edged sword being in a big city because I I you know, I'm a serial monogamous, but I hear this all the time from my friends who are dating of like how it's, you know, nice being in a big city because like you said, it's like you're in New York, like you're out, you know, you can be out all the time and things are open late. Like there are people around, you're always meeting people. So like, it's incredible, right? For dating. But then on top, mm-hmm. like when you are actively like, I want to be dating, I want to find someone, I am going to put myself out there. It becomes sort of like nightmarish in like the yes. amount of people. And also just with that many people, you're just like statistically going to get like some shitty people and yeah. dating apps are a nightmare. So it's kind of a double-edged sword being in a big city because I know people who are like, right. you know, dating in LA is amazing because there's so many people and it's amazing because I have all these options. But then they're like, dating in LA is awful because there's too many people and there's so many options. Too many options. Yeah. Every, I, I think everyone like feels that where it's like, okay, well, this person's cool, but I can find better. Like it's so like quickly on to the next. And right, I feel especially like, it's, like yeah. not to like therapize our generation, but like we, you know what I mean? We have so many options with everything and we're so used to like mm-hmm. this instant gratification with just like right. media and like the internet and like porn, which is like a whole nother conversation. But it's like, it becomes harder to like invest in someone. If somebody has like right. one red flag or like little like ick, it's like, eh, well, there's like literally not exaggerating. Yeah. Options, and I, and I so. feel like using, using dating apps is just like too overwhelming for me also and then I also just feel like it's just like it's like a game for me swiping like it's like yeah it's like left 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 left, 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 like so fast and then it's like oh here's one like person who's like relatively hot it's like right like it's just you know it's it's too much so I think organic is 
the way to go. I mean, there's I have a lot of friends who have met people from dating apps, so like they definitely work. Yeah, but I don't know if it's like my my vibe right now. <laughs> Completely. And yeah. when you're dating, I mean, obviously, there's you know, I'm sure you're having you know you're having the conversation about your diagnosis, but on top of that, I'm more curious about like you bringing up and pushing this idea of like, I, by the way, I work in like the sex space, right? Like this idea of like Mm -hmm. sex positivity, working in sexuality, because like, so like I said, I'm a serial monogamist and my last relationship was like kind of like a COVID relationship. I feel like you, Mm -hmm. like no offense Mm -hmm. to him. He was kind of like, you know, like a COVID like adopted, you know, puppy. It's like like, a really nice thing for COVID. And then COVID ended and we were like, oh, this is like not right. And then I kind of immediately ended up with like the partner I am with now. So I didn't, I haven't really, and I was, I've been in sex education for like three years. I got certified as a sex educator over the pandemic. So a lot of my work in sexuality, I've already been in like a long-term kind of like monogamous relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I haven't really had to navigate dating that much. And the few times I have, I felt like I would immediately get you like don't want to think this is going to happen, but it's like I would would immediately get the very obvious like, oh, you must like be a vixen. You must like fuck all the time because you like work in yeah. sexuality yeah. and because you're like sexually empowered. And it's so ridiculous and so annoying, but I haven't had to like navigate it that much. So I kind of wanted to just ask about like that, like being an advocate yeah. for sexual empowerment, owning your sexuality and dating, especially if you're dating men, it's like it becomes this whole other like layer of thing that you need to like work on. Yeah. It's you basically just get fetishized. Um, so I have done various things on dating apps where I'll either be like so over the top open about um, the work that I do, which is how I prefer to be because I, that's who I am. I'm very, I'm an open book. I love talking about what I'm passionate about and being like super open. Um, so I'll, the before I did my dating apps, my profiles were just like, I do this destigmatizing work. Like I have an OnlyFans, like I'm looking for people to make content with, um, but also date, um, all this stuff. All of my photos were like me and lingerie being like obviously hot. Yeah. And it's funny because I, 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 in my mind, I'm like, okay, I feel like me being very open about this will eat, will weed out people who can't like, can't handle it. Right. Like somebody who sees that and is completely like uh, made uncomfortable by it isn't, is probably just not even going to swipe. Yeah, and I and I'd rather that like I'd rather have less Completely. matches for for that reason. So I would I did get a number of people who were like really cool about it and weren't like immediately like being sexual because like I hate on dating apps when people are sexual right off the bat and even like no matter what like if we don't even meet yet and you're saying sexual things to me like I hate that. Me too. Um, it's so gross to me. Um, so of course I would get like a bunch of like gross messages, but so it'd either be like really gross fetishy stuff or it'd be like people who are really cool. Um, but then I've also done other things where I've like completely hidden it and kept it very vanilla on my dating apps. Um, and that was just, then it's like too many, too many matches. And then like, once I talk about it, then it's like having that conversation where I have to like explain things. And then it's, then I feel like I end up getting more fetishized because the people who you would think that I was matching with who you think would be like stand up nice guys end up being like gross as well. It's so. almost like a time waster too. Cause then you have to like yeah. have those conversations versus like letting people just like kind of tell on themselves by like not matching or whatever. It's like, yeah, 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 exactly. So I just feel like, yeah, it's definitely hard. Um, but that's why I think in person is better in a way. Cause then I'm in, when I go out, like, obviously I'm not going to like a frat bro bar. So like, right. <laughs> like I'm going to places where it's usually like a sex positive space 
um, or just something. I, so, I mean, I mean, there's going to be shitty people wherever you go, but I think I would have a better chance we're in an organic setting where it's like like-minded. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's, yeah, it's hard because it's like, sometimes I feel like I've met people who seem really cool, but then it's like even the slightest comment now, because I've dealt with it will kind of trigger me a little. Like somebody will be like, Oh, they're really cute. They seem really fine with everything. It's like also at this point, like pretty much all the dating apps are like connected to Instagram and so many people you meet are connected. So it's like, if your work is on Instagram, which most of us is, it's like, they're going to see that anyway. And they'll be totally fine. But then even the slightest comment, like, Oh, so like, what can you teach me? I'm immediately like, ugh. Yes, such a turnoff, like immediate, immediate red flag for me. And it's like that. And then it's also people who are like, oh, that's so cool. Like I'm sex positive too. And like, that's just means like for them, it's like just having a lot of sex. I'm like, oh, that's not right. sex positive. <laughs> it's like, it's they, they like, they've never been tested or they don't really care about testing or like, I don't know. Even when I like disclose my herpes status, like I've had some responses that are like, okay, cool. And like zero questions. And I'm like, all right, you should have a little bit of concern. I feel like at least... <laughs> And, and like, come on. And then it's like, um, I'll, cause usually I'll have the, the disclosure conversation by asking them when they've been tested last. Okay. And I've got you, like, I've never been tested before or like, Oh, it's been a while. But like the last person I was with was clean and stuff like so that. Like like even Cindy, in their mid to yeah. late twenties, they're like dating and having casual sex and have never been tested. Yeah. It's really, really scary. Um, yeah, it's very unfortunate. And I've, Unfortunately, it happens quite often, which is why, again, the work that I'm doing is important because it's just like, I think a lot of the time, especially men, don't get tested because they're like, oh, I don't have a symptom, so I'm I'm fine. I don't have one. Or just the fear of, of knowing and Completely. they don't want to know because they don't want to change their behavior. Um, I've heard that a lot. Um, people have rejected. I have a friend. She got rejected for her herpes status by someone who like hasn't been tested in years and just wants to have unprotected casual sex. Oh. So who's the safer person in the situation? Yeah, like my right, friend with her. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like yeah. that it's and and especially with how asymptomatic men can be and mm-hmm. how so many of these, you know, STIs don't even show symptoms. It's like you're absolutely just scared of what you're going to find. Like if you weren't ter- if you were at the, at the end of the day especially for us who are dating in bigger cities, you know, getting tested is that we have so much access to that. It's right. covered by most insurances and it's not, it's usually like, you know, not super expensive out of pocket. It's like if you haven't gotten tested in years, you are actively choosing to like not want to know. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and I totally get the accessibility thing because like, I'm also poor. Like I get how it can be like hard. Um, but there is like, um, there'll be free clinic pop-ups like every, like, everywhere in the city um yeah. so you literally you just google it like there's google you can find it it's not yeah. hard. it takes like <laughs> 10 minutes <laughs> yeah it's frustrating uh, yeah it's super frustrating so i mean speaking of that though another thing i feel like that you're obviously you know we've talked about it a bit but that you're a huge advocate for and that you talk a lot is about is safe sex right and mm-hmm. I want to talk about safe sex because I think it's really hard for people to talk about safe sex, especially yeah. with a new partner like even for me it's like i feel like i've once I started having sex, I was pretty, you know, on it about getting tested and stuff. And and maybe there is like an accessibility factor to that in the sense that like I was, you know, fortunate enough that I was doing having yearly gynecologist exams, right? So like it was a little bit mm-hmm. more like ingrained in me that it's like they're going to test or whatever. But it took me a while, I would say, when I was dating, when I was 
quite younger to have those conversations because for me, it was not that I wasn't safe and it wasn't that I wanted to be safe, but it was like this weird idea that it was going to make me or the situation unsexy, like this idea that it was going to like quote unquote ruin things or turn them off or maybe this like weird worry that they would be like, well, why do you, you know, want to have this conversation? Do you like have, you know what I, it was like this, it's all these yeah. weird kind of like things go through your head. And, um, you know, it's like, I guess, how are we having those conversations? How are we having those conversations about yeah. like, when was the last time you got tested? If you haven't, like, do you want to like go do that together? Like what, what is the best way to kind of go about that? Especially for someone who's maybe like new to dating or maybe mm-hmm. isn't like the most open communicator. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, so I was the same way. Um, I wanted to be like the cool chill girl and be like, yeah, like it's whatever. Oh yeah. Um, that was like so my I, MO when I was like in my young twenties, it was like, oh, I am the chill girl, even same. if it kills me. <laughs> yeah. Same. I remember like, um, the guy that I was seeing right before I got herpes, I was like in love with him and I was like, I'll do literally anything you say. And he, he didn't want to use condoms like we literally like didn't really know each other yeah and he was like um yeah we didn't even have the conversation it was just like we just like we didn't use a condom and I remember like the next day like running to go get tested so so nervous yeah Yeah. um and so yeah so it took me until I got herpes to start having these conversations and being like adamant about safer sex because um in addition to like having the conversation about testing like talking about condoms is also important because I think a lot of people were like me in the early 20s and there are people now that were like me who won't will just like let a man not use a condom because they're scared to speak up for themselves um absolutely you know and again like if that ends up being the case like if they're weird about when you ask to use a condom they're being weird about it like do not have sex with them like do not fuck those people um but for me since I have to have the conversation about STIs it's been like easier in that way to talk about it. Cause I just like literally have to, but again, like I always tell people like, don't wait until you have an STI to talk about sexual health. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't ruin the mood at all. Like it's actually like hotter. Cause it's like, Oh wow, this person cares about my health. They want me to feel safe. Like that's a turn on. Yes. Um, and I feel like it doesn't really matter when you have the conversation. Like it can be like through text. It can be like, before you have sex like in person like whatever as long as it's before you're having sex like you're fine um I just always say like when you feel comfortable with them start talking about it um so you can even if it's like you're not going to be disclosing like if you're STI negative I would still be like hey it seems like we're probably gonna like have sex soon like like I, I like where this is headed but like before we do that like can we talk about when we were last tested? Um it can just be super casual like it doesn't have to be a big conversation for me I always will um, I usually do it in person, um, unless it's just a hookup, then I'll do it through text, just like super simple. But um, yeah, I'll just stop and be like, hey, so when were you last tested? And literally just that, like, I'm just like straight up, straight to the point. And then it's very telling how they respond because, yeah, if they're going to be like, oh, I've never been or like it's been a while, then like that's a turn off to me and that's a red flag. Um, you know, so and then I'll be like, cool, like I have HSV2. Um, it's just cold sores in a different location kind of, and then like open up for questions and then, and then I just have like, um, the, like how, how can we prevent this, um, kind of thing or how can we try to prevent it? And then just talk about, um, like using condoms, like there's dental dams. Um, so yeah, honestly, I think it's hot. I mean, in a way you're talking about the logistics of how you're having sex. That's still talking about sex. I think it's still hot in my opinion. 
I agree. I remember (laughs) one of the first like huge green flags for my current partner was right before, right before the first time we had sex, you know, he was, there wasn't even like a question about like whether we were going to use condoms, right? It's like there, the condom was already out. It was like being ripped off, which Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, like this is as crazy, as crazy as it sounds as like a woman who has, you know, had casual sex in my late twenties, it was refreshing. It was like, Oh, I don't have to like make this a thing and like ask, you know what I mean? It's like, you're already just doing it. But I remember even still, you know, with the condom, I was like, well, you know, just, you know, just to have the conversation, like when was the last time you got tested? And they like had it like down to like, you know, it was like, I was like, oh, I think it was about like three weeks ago. I think it was about on this day. And uh, yeah, totally. And I was just like, oh, like, wow, you like were tested recently. And they were like, yeah, well, like, yeah, I had had, uh, you know, sex with a person for dating apps. So, like after I, you know, have sex with someone, I always get tested. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, so hot. That's so, so hot. Refreshing Love that. Refreshing and so Yeah. And hot. that's how it should be. And, it, and it's such a turn on to hear that. And like, yeah, that's like number one turn on for me is, is that. And then also like asking for consent is like yes. obviously necessary and a turn on. Um, well, that's so, the yeah, thing is we get so in our head about all of these things, like I just said, like being mood killers or being turnoffs. And I think men too, like I think men kind of get in their head about like, you know, there's this whole like conversation about like, well, you know, it's like, obviously like I want to make sure like consent is a thing. Like that's, you know, not even a question, but like is asking too much, like a turnoff, like do girls want? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I love that. Like I love when somebody's like, is this okay? Every, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, me too. It's, I'm, I'm not like, oh my God, like now I'm, now I'm not wet anymore. Like, sorry, like get, get out. I'm, I'm not interested in this anymore yeah like it's it's never it's never too much it's it's never too much much. yeah so yeah I think it's like and I think it's I just think it's hard I think for a lot of younger people to like set clear boundaries I mean even in life like it was hard for me to set clear boundaries even with like my emotions and like the things that I like needed Mm -hmm. like emotionally from people so like having those conversations I think is always a little bit harder when you're younger but it gets I think it gets easier the more you do it yeah and it's a practice like and again like for people with herpes it's like you're forced to start practicing it but it's definitely worth it because I again like I was so bad with boundaries and like all forms like like and like people pleaser like I would just do anything people say because like I yeah I'm the cool chill girl I don't want to cause a scene like I'm fine um so it's yeah it, it it started with like having the STI conversation and then kind of went into like I was also in like a lot of like unfortunate like really heartbreaking situationships in my early 20s and now it's like I know how to speak up for like when I want something more and and all these things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't like start doing it with with my herpes diagnosis so how do you feel like you navigate people who maybe like don't respond as openly as you'd like or like maybe get weird when you try to have those conversations mm-hmm. or maybe they say well you know I'm, I'm I know I'm cl- I haven't gotten tested but like I know I'm clean I don't have any symptoms like you know what I, which we all we all know yeah. is like, not necessarily yeah. the case it's like I think it's so hard too because when I was younger I would do this thing where those conversations were really hard for me and I found for some reason I found them easier which I I guess this is pretty normal to like have them down to the wire like it'd be like already on my back on the bed and I'd be like wait when was the last time you got tested you know what I mean it's like yeah um, yeah, yeah. I have to do it now there's no turning back and yeah. obviously I don't think that's necessarily the best time to have that conversation because if you run into somebody who's being weird about it or, or who hasn't then you kind of have to like you know it just kind of makes things a little bit more awkward versus just having in like mm-hmm. an open mm-hmm. fully clothed conversation about that makes things a right and then potentially so like, potentially like unsafe to like you never know how if you don't know them that well how they're going to respond absolutely. absolutely and you're already kind of there so yeah I always say and also like doing it sober as well is important too if, if you can obviously that's not always going to be the case that's, but so, like, that's such a good point yeah yeah um 
I forgot what I was going to say, but. So yeah, yeah just like navigating like when somebody isn't, you know, obviously oh, yes, yes. open about it, but it's like, how do you, for, for that, I guess because that conversation is already so hard for people. It's like, let's say you like finally get the courage to have it and then somebody reacts like negatively or weird. It's like, you know, it's so, I want to say like my gut instinct as somebody who's like older now and more confident is like, well, fuck them. Like, you know, obviously you don't hook up with them, but I do think thinking back to who I was at 21, maybe that's like not so easy. Right. And that, that's, I feel the same way now. Like for me, I'm like, all right, goodbye, get out of my house, um, which I have done um, <laughs> yeah. before. But if I, if I was 21 having these conversations, I probably would be like, all right, well, I'll just give you a blowjob then. Or like, let's still like give them pleasure right. in ways. And like, that didn't involve me. And that is a hard no. Like if you disclose and they're weird about it, but still want like something from you, like, no, absolutely not. Um, yeah, well, and you talk about this a lot. It's like you had this super funny poster today that was like tall my throat goats. It's like you can still get STIs <laughs> from oral sex. Yes, 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 exactly. So there's just you just want to make sure like the person is like you can trust, you feel safe with them, and they're like not being fucking weird. Um, like I again, like you can be rejected from herpes, but you can also like they can be like, all right, I'm fine with it, but then be weird about it, and then it, that kind of manifests. So I was dating someone um, last spring and he seemed like a nice guy, like not the smartest guy, but um, you know, I tried and (laughs) he was hot and, uh, and I disclosed to him and he was like, yeah, I know. Cause like he saw my Instagram and I was like, okay, cool. Like, do you have any questions? And he was like, no. And then he, and I was like, he said that he got cold sores. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like you already have it. So we would have sex with condoms. Like we didn't even talk about it. Like condoms were always used. But then I realized he wasn't going down on me. And so I was like, I brought it up, obviously, immediately. and was like, hey, what's going on here? And he yeah. was like, well, I don't want to get herpes on my face. And I was like, sir, you have herpes. You get cold sores. <laughs> like, you already get it on your mouth. And he was like, yeah, but, like, it's a different strain. And I'm like, okay, yes, that's true. But, like, you wouldn't know the difference. Right. Like, it, it, it's going to look the same. Like, you wouldn't – it wouldn't – and whatever. And then I was also like, also HSV2 really doesn't transfer orally. Um, yeah. It can happen, but it's it just, it's very unlikely. Um, and then it's also like, okay, cool. Like you, you were more likely to get it while using a condom while having sex with me than you going down on me. But because it was your pleasure, you were okay with it, but you wouldn't right. take the risk for my pleasure. So it was just like such, it was such a turn off. And then I did, be, I did kick him out of my house and I never saw him again. Oh, um, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the time when I'm disclosing people, usually people aren't like, oh my God, disgusting. Like that's so gross. Like I'm leaving. Like it's usually like either like, okay, yeah, I've dated someone with it. Like I totally know about it. Or it's like, I can you just like give me more information and then just kind of having that conversation. Um, again, it's very rare that someone's going to react like really weirdly. Right. Um, Especially like in yeah. our generation and like living in a bigger city, it's like, we're kind of lucky to have people who are a little bit more like, you know, at the very least open to open-minded about these things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the older you get, the more likely they've already had experience with it or known right. experience. It's like, they already have been exposed to it. <laughs> it just, they might've not have known that because it's usually asymptomatic. Um, Do you and I get, always, like, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I always explain to them that it's usually asymptomatic and they, it's not on the STI panel as well. So they probably don't right. even know their status. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you get turned off having to explain, not explain 
the details about it because it's fine if somebody just like isn't educated but like i'm thinking to the conversation you just had with that guy who obviously ended up being like an idiot but mm-hmm. it's like having to be like well you already have it on your mouth you know what i mean it's like is there a part of you that like even on top of the fact that this is like a red flag because he like doesn't care about your pleasures there's like a, a part of you that's like is this like do you not get it like do you, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel yeah. like for me, sometimes having to like have like very simple conversations with people I'm dating is like a really big ick for me. <laughs> it's like- yeah, a hundred percent. And then, then I know that like, this is not my person. Like, and again, like I understand, like we grew up as a society, like with like awful sex education. So I don't necessarily mm-hmm. think it's like their fault that they don't know these things. Cause it's usually, you don't know it until you get it or you date someone with it. Right. But it's just like, I am telling you as someone who has it, who does work in this field, these are the facts and they're kind of like well no like I don't think like I've had people I've had people tell me that like I it's not true like cold swords <laughs> aren't herpes and stuff like that and I'm like like are you fucking kidding so but again it's it it weeds people out because like thank god for those conversations because if I wasn't didn't do that from the start because I if I like didn't have herpes I didn't have to have that conversation then like they would probably still they I mean they would still be dumb I just wouldn't know it as soon as I did so completely. And I have yeah. that conversation on the show a lot about how like these difficult conversations are hard, but my God, they save you so much time oh God, because they so really, much. really weed out like the idiots and the people who are just like not even willing to learn or be open. It's like, mm-hmm. it's almost mm-hmm. easier to date when you are like bringing shit to the table versus like we talked about when you're younger and you're being cool and you're acting like you're kind of like perfect from the beginning and you don't have any sort of like, you know, trauma or insecurities or like whatever the case is. It's like, bringing mm-hmm. that shit up front and seeing how people react really gives you a good indicator of like if they're going to be a good partner overall right, and really right. saves you so much time. Yeah, exactly. And that's why like I don't even get nervous when I disclose because like I also think it's like fun now because I'm like, let's see how you feel about like, let's see how you react to this. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. I'm excited for this. Um, You're doing like a social yeah. experiment. You're like, let's see it how subject B reacts to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like when I first got diagnosed, I was like, oh, I don't know how to disclose. So I would practice on dating apps and like try out all these different ways. And it became like fun for me to like educate people. Now I'm like kind of tired of it, but it's it's definitely a social experiment for sure. And it helps you That's- like learn, get comfortable with like talking about it. That's such a good idea for people who are maybe, mm-hmm. you know, newly diagnosed and kind of don't know how to navigate those conversations is like dating apps, you know, having the buffer of like a screen is a little bit easier uh, right. in the beginning probably than like having to have that conversation in person. So it's a really that that makes so much sense that it was a good way to kind of be like, OK, like I have to start, you know, having these conversations, practicing disclosing like let's let's, you know, let's practice on a dating app where there's a million people and I'm you know never going to see them again and I can kind of do it over text and almost practice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it it was also really nice too, because I ended up getting a lot more positive feedback than I thought, especially because I was disclosing in like really unhinged ways. Like, like, (laughs) just like, I don't even know, like, I would just get I would just like drink because it was like during the pandemic. So I would just be like wine drunk and just being like, hey, I have general herpes, like out of nowhere, (laughs) so out of pocket. And like, (laughs) but then it worked out because yeah, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, like I have it or like, I know someone with it, like it ended up being like really nice. Completely. And and I talk about this too on the show a lot is like what, whatever it is, whether it's like, a, you know, a kink that maybe you are like a little worried about disclosing or like an STI or whatever. It's like if you come at it chill, people are like more likely to react chill versus if you come at it exactly. you have to, like, and you're like, I have to tell you something really awful. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like it makes, exactly. it makes people more chill when you come at the situation. You're like, yeah, this isn't a big deal, but like just so you know. 
because yeah if you're freaking out they're gonna feel that energy and, and be like oh shit like I this is something big like I should be nervous about this right. as opposed to just being like yeah I have this thing that's super common and the majority of the world has and they're exactly. like oh okay yeah yeah well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I just, I just love the work you're doing. It's like it truly just, you know, as important as you know the conversation on like destigmatizing herpes is. It's just like you're transcending that, and the fact that you're going into like, you know, just like healing any sort of like sexual trauma and just like sex positivity and liberation and empowerment and like safe sex. It's just they're so such important conversations to have, and we touched on this a little bit, but the the severe lack of sex education in this country is is shocking and you know, the fact that you're out here doing the work and putting yourself out there is just, it's so amazing. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov extrahelp Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.